You're listening to The COVID Chronicles, a podcast from the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health. Each week, a student from the Health and Science podcasting course interviews public health experts about the COVID-19 pandemic and the important intersections with nutrition, mental health, maternal health, and more. I'm Carolyn Christ, a health and medical journalist in Georgia who co-teaches the podcasting course. I hope you'll enjoy this series as much as I did. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Animal Crossing, Nintendo Switch, The Last of Us Part 2, Next Gen, PlayStation 5. These are some words you've probably been hearing more since the global pandemic started. If not, chances are that you know more than two people who are familiar with these terms. Welcome to The Gap, a show where we talk about playing video games in a pandemic and how games are affecting you even if you're not playing them. I'm your host Nathan, and today we'll be looking closely at why video gaming has been rising because of the pandemic, and why video games are actually saving lives. Today, you'll be hearing from three different guests who each provide a unique perspective on how video games are influencing us as a society and as individuals during this current pandemic. Our first guest is Dr. Daniel Reynolds. Associate Professor at Emory University's Film and Media Studies. His research focuses on media and the mind, and how they influence one's cognition and perception. He'll be talking about the video game industry and how the pandemic has stimulated its growth. So without further ado, let's dive on into the conversation. Dr. Reynolds, thank you for joining us, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. To begin, can you talk about the general growth of video games as a business, as a form of media, and in popular culture, and especially how the pandemic has influenced the growth of this industry? Yeah, well, so uh, the first games started to appear in the arguably the late 1950s but they started to really appear as a popular medium in the 1970s. And since that time, there's been a kind of series of boom and bust cycles. Their arcade games were popular in the 70s. And later in that decade, in the early 80s, console, home console and home gaming uh, started to appear. Uh, but that industry kind of went bust the, uh, in the early 80s. And has had a kind of series of revivals uh, where it's become popular again, uh, become very profitable again, and then declined. Um, but it's really been only since um, maybe kind of around the turn of the century, turn of the millennium, that we've seen this kind of recent ascendance of gaming to a really high degree of cultural prominence, but also um, the kind of financial picture we're seeing from the game industry today. But, you know, that being said, uh, in the past six, seven months at this point, um, there has been another kind of mini boom that seems very much sort of motivated by uh, by the pandemic. Um, in terms of profits, uh, in terms of sales of games, uh, sales of hardware and accessories, um, but also numbers in terms of how much is how much games are being played, but also how much games are being viewed. So esports, streaming, like all these things are exploding in ways that they previously hadn't. In relation to other media industries such as music and film, have we been seeing an exponential rise in video games as a result of the pandemic? 
Yeah, I, well, I can't really speak to music necessarily. Um, people are fond of citing the statistic that video games as an industry surpassed the film industry some time ago now. And that's not entirely exactly accurate. Usually the numbers that they're comparing are profits in the game industry and then profits from theatrical screenings in the film industry. Well, in fact, most of the film industry's profits come from post-theatrical um, like DVD sales, rentals, streaming rights, things like that. So that comparison isn't exactly um, like one-to-one -one, sort of, you know, in the terms that are being used to compare those two industries. But the video game industry certainly in the pandemic era is not hurting and the film industry very much is. I can't speak to music as much. I just don't know. But the film industry is running into some real challenges both in terms of exhibition, you know, as you know, theaters were mostly closed for you know, the better part of this year. Uh, and it's not clear if or when they're ever going to go back to the kind of film exhibition we were seeing, even just last year with like these super popular, huge, giant release, mega pictures, Marvel movies, things like that. So that's very much a question that's still open in the film industry. And uh, then at the same time, there's also, you know, film production requires a lot of people to be in the same place at the same time. So COVID poses a real sort of problem for film production as well. So there's also been a lag in production and there's going to be a kind of lag time after, um, you know, the pandemic hopefully resolves as soon as possible. But then there's going to be a period of time after that when films haven't been in production at the same scale that they previously had. So there's all these kinds of labor challenges, but also exhibition challenges for the film industry that don't really affect the video game industry in quite the same way. You know, that's not to say that the game production industry hasn't been impacted by the pandemic, because it certainly has. But people are accustomed to playing games at home and getting games in their homes and watching games from their homes in a way that, you know, if you want to talk about it from a sort of industrial standpoint, in this period of time gives a kind of edge to that industry. Yeah, so you mentioned that more people are like playing games at home, just more prevalence of video games compared to other media. So with this rise in people just playing games, in terms of the perceptions of people and the way it's being viewed, how has this been changing compared to what it was like before? That's an interesting question. I can speak to a kind of longer trend uh, in that, you know, gaming has in the last couple of decades gained a certain degree of legitimacy. I don't think it's a culturally validated pastime yet, not in the way that film is, but, you know, media like film or, you know, television, it takes decades to sort of be brought into the fold of these are validated, valued, uh, sort of socially approved media activities. Video games are on that trajectory and they have been for some time. I, you know, I can't cite any numbers uh, in terms of what's happened in the last year or so, but I think that from what I've read and what I've seen, I think people are maybe being exposed to more games than they had been before. Uh, that might just be a function of generations of the same family being cooped up in the same house together and seeing one another play games in ways that they weren't necessarily before. But I do feel, and you know, this is kind of anecdotal, but I do feel that there's maybe a, a little bit of an acceleration in that kind of cultural validation, you know, just uh, allowing for the fact that games could be a worthwhile activity or that games could be thoughtful or fulfilling or uh, have some sort of positive effect for the people who are playing them, you know, and that's not a new idea. It's not a new um, development, but I feel like I'm hearing and seeing a little bit more of that kind of approval or even optimism about what games can be and that's part of a larger historical trend but i think 
there's a good chance that it's also part of our current circumstances. Yeah, and, and I was just ask, um, could you elaborate a little bit more on what positives will gaming bring? Is it becoming a form of stress therapy for people during quarantine? I think it absolutely is. So there's that, right? There's um, just needing to get your mind off of the stress of the world right now, right? So there's lots of different ways to do that. And I think people have been finding ways, people are gardening more, people are obsessed with sourdough bread and making it themselves, getting sort of absorbed in, and dedicated to tasks around their homes or tasks having to do with themselves, pursuing new hobbies, all, all different kinds of things. Right? So there's that kind of, it's not escapism exactly, but it's like allowing yourself to get invested and absorbed in activities. And, you know, that's like the kind of mindfulness that that promotes is something that I think anybody can find some sort of comfort or therapy in. Video games are capable of that as well. And I think they're serving that purpose for a lot of people. So, you know, that's one thing. It's a pastime and it's a break. But I think also because games and, you know, this is something that's been around for decades now, but especially in the past 10 or 15 years, you know, games have become more and more kind of uh, networked and social, not just in the sense of being in your house with your friends, like when I was a kid and playing Nintendo games together and passing the controller around, but social at a kind of distance, you know, uh, online competitive gaming, massively multiplayer games, kind of battle royale games that have been popular in the last few years. These are all ways of sort of doing something with people without, in fact, being with them. And then at the same time, talking with people, you know? So there's a way in which these games, which pre-exist the pandemic, have, I think, during the pandemic era for a lot of people, come to be an opportunity to do an activity with friends or with strangers and to enter into a kind of social sphere or social space and talk in non-serious or in serious ways with people at a distance, you know? So there's that kind of buffer between you and these other people. Um, and they provide this kind of virtual environment in which you can do something that, you know, in and of itself is a healthy and probably therapeutic activity to have this kind of social contact. And I've observed that with myself. I've talked with my students about that in my video games class, but I've also seen it with my kids who are playing games with their school friends who they haven't been able to see in months now. You know, it's it's where they meet. And then I think... Beyond that, also, games also provide an opportunity to think about the worlds that they depict and the stories that they tell and the activities that they ask you as a player to sort of participate in. So two of the games that I've played or been playing since the beginning of the pandemic are The Last of Us Part Two, a game from this year, and then um, Death Stranding, which is a game from last year, you know, both of which were in production and planned before the pandemic happened, but both of which are games that really seem to speak to the pandemic itself, as well as the kind of social ostracization or alienation, the distance between people related to the pandemic and just in the culture at large these days, in ways that I've found to be really, um, you know, on the one hand, prescient in the sense that they seem to be sort of talking about or anticipating something that really intensified in the last year or so, but also really useful in trying to think about ways of connecting with people or even sort of theorizing about ways that people might find each other once again in in this time, but also in the wake of this time as hopefully things move forward. So beyond like the therapy of an escape and beyond the kind of social function of games, 
I think just as expressive artwork, meaning artwork that makes you feel, asks you to think about those feelings, provokes you to think, encourages you to uh, wonder about things that those games in particular, but you know, many other games besides they're helpful in that way as well. I think in the way that, you know, we always hope, I think that art will help us to think about the moment we're living in, but also kind of think beyond it. Yeah, that's great. You kind of talked about how as the player we're being affected by these video games, but do you think developers are starting to design their games be more conscious of the pandemic and its effects and really kind of relaying the social connection in their video games? That's a really interesting question and they must be, right? I don't know of any examples and for, you know, large scale video games, the production cycle is long enough that it would be a while before we would see that directly, I think. And, you know, I have to admit, I haven't actually kept up in the way I could have with smaller independent games but some of those games you know those games can have a faster production cycle and i wouldn't be surprised if there weren't already pandemic related sort of small games out there and certainly probably more on on the horizon it is one of the major sort of topics of our time and one of the i think things that people are going to be thinking about and feeling the repercussions and the after effects of for a very long time so it, it's going to have to find its way into all kinds of i think media and just one final question with these kind of new changes that's been affected by the pandemic for the gaming industry. What, what is the future looking like for video games? Um, the way people and generations are viewing it and why do you think people should care? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, in one sense, in a industrial financial sense, it seems like the future is right. We're actually right on the verge of a new generation of consoles coming out with the PlayStation 5 and the new Xboxes. So in terms of home gaming, home console gaming, it seems like these are epochal moments that happen every seven or so years. And we're about to start another one. And those always feel like moments of promise. You know, these new technologies come and it takes a few years for game developers to figure out how to optimize what the consoles can do. And it always feels like hitting a little bit of a refresh. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I think that there's just in the industry as a whole, hopefully a trend toward a kind of social consciousness and it's it comes in fits and spurts and it's a halting thing but i think that there's more confidence in the medium of video games as a way of addressing like really serious cultural and social questions and part of that thinking and really serious and ways about the responsibilities of game makers in terms of what's and who is represented in their games and how. And I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about that aspect of game development in the game industry going forward. And part of that confidence, I think, is like a confidence in really addressing the pressing questions of the time in which you're making any, any medium. And I, you know, I was using the example of film earlier as a kind of point of comparison. And you know, over the first decades that film was this really big, widespread, popular medium, you can kind of watch film build up its confidence that like, this isn't just a novelty, this isn't just an entertainment, this isn't just like a consumer product, right? but we're working out how we can use this thing to express ourselves, to deal, think about like serious social problems, to tell new kinds of stories in new kinds of ways. Right? 
And I think that explosion, that kind of expressive explosion and that exploration of the medium is still happening with video games. So in terms of where games can go from here, in terms of how they tell their stories and how they engage their audiences, I'm, I'm very confident and kind of concurrent or hand in hand with that, I'm very hopeful that they will use those abilities to tell stories in creative and courageous and responsible and thoughtful ways. All right, so that's uh, that's all the questions I have for you. Do you have any final thoughts? I, I don't. I'm glad you're asking these questions, though. I'm glad to hear these questions being asked because I think it's very timely questions, both because of where video games are and also because of the context in which we're having this conversation. All right. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Reynolds. Thank you. So when I was making this podcast, I initially planned to interview some video game streamers in order to get their perspective on how their job as a streamer may have been impacted due to the pandemic. Well, long story short, I didn't get to interview any streamers. So my next solution was instead of having an interview, why don't I try sending something in chat during one of the live streams in hopes that I can get them to answer at least one question related to gaming in the pandemic. And again, long story short, I only got one streamer to answer me out of the countless streams that I had tuned into. I ended up messaging the streamer I had gotten the attention of on a communication platform called Discord, since he wanted to keep politics and controversial topics out of the stream. So my question to him was, how has the pandemic influenced your life as a streamer, and what changes have you seen in your streaming community since quarantine? The streamer responded, quote, I honestly haven't done anything different nor seen much of a change at all, minus people talking about their personal experiences of the pandemic and how the stream has helped. So as you can probably guess, a streamer's life hasn't changed all that much. Since they're mostly at home playing games, it doesn't require them to go into an office since their home is essentially their office. But what stood out to me more from this interaction wasn't that the streamer's life hasn't changed. It's what he said earlier when I had first reached out to him on stream. Quote, I want to keep the stream away from politics slash real world issues as much as possible. As Dr. Reynolds said, people are looking for avenues to disconnect from the chaos of the world. And games can foster that desire in addition to streaming platforms just as well. Streamers like the one I interacted with want to foster an environment, a community, where it's just about the games, hanging out with a streamer, having a good time, laughing, and just enjoying your time there. I find this to be respectable and honestly heartwarming during this pandemic. Some common sentiments that I've heard from news about video games in the past is the notion that video games cause violence and will ultimately lead to tragedies. Scientific studies have even been conducted to track the correlation between violent video games and aggressive behavior. But since the pandemic, all this talk about video games and violence has shifted to something more positive. Like this one news article states, why now is the time to embrace video games for kids? Or, don't feel bad if your kids are gaming more than ever. In fact, why not join them? Why? 
Why this drastic shift in the way American society views video games now? Dr. Tanine Allison, also an associate professor at Emory's Film and Media Studies, provides us with some insight on this topic. So let's tune in. So hello, Dr. Allison. Thank you for joining us, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So first, I just want to ask you, what kind of trends are we seeing in the gaming industry that is a direct result of the pandemic in terms of economic growth, social awareness, and even in households? Yeah, so what we're seeing basically is just a huge increase in the number of people gaming, the amount that they're gaming, and the social awareness of video games at this time. So because people are home and don't have as many things to do, don't have you know, reasons to leave the house, they have more time to devote to entertainment in the home. And one of the most compelling and time-consuming, in a good way, um, activity in the household is video games. And so we're seeing gamers who already used video games as entertainment doing more of it. We're seeing people who have never used video games much in the past now starting to game. And you're seeing just a shift in the way that people are using the technology. So I think you're seeing families starting to um, game together, spouses, trying it out for the first time, or partners, and um, using it as a way to both escape, but also replace some of the functions of their everyday life. So using it in a social way to connect with friends or family in different places when you can't see them in person. And you mentioned a lot about who's playing games. So are we seeing different trends in the different age ranges that are there? Are there more elderly people that are even playing games? I think it's too soon to say. I haven't looked at statistics on this, but I would guess that, yes, we're seeing a rise among all demographics. So I think children who naturally play video games and have been a large target of video game manufacturing in the past are playing more of it because they have more time and it's a way that they can connect with school friends that they ordinarily would see and now can't see because schools are closed. Um, so we're seeing more women playing video games as well. So they are um, playing either with a spouse or partner, they're playing with family members or children, or they're playing uh, on their own with games designed to help them escape their regular life. We all kind of need an escape when we're all at home. So sometimes just plugging into a computer console, a video game system, or even a smartphone is a good way to take a little bit of a break. Yeah, and with this growth, even some people might not have access to video games themselves. So this kind of segues into streaming services such as Twitch and YouTube. How much of that is incorporating this growth and promotion of video games? That was a trend that we saw even before the pandemic, that people were consuming video games not just by playing them, but also by watching. And so there was the growth of esports and streaming services, as you mentioned, like Twitch and other ones where you can watch other people gaming, often games that you play yourself, but sometimes games that you don't actually play. But you, you generally need a, a certain amount of gaming literacy to understand how the games are played 
in the same way you would need to know the rules of soccer or football to follow a game. You need to have that same kind of li literacy for video games. But that is definitely on the increase with the pandemic, both because um, there's this increase in video game play, but also an increase in time and time that you want to devote to this pastime. And video games can be very immersive. They can um, take a lot of attention. And in order to improve, you can also watch other people play the games. That could be just for the fun of it, or it could be watching walkthroughs, tutorials, you know, videos about Easter eggs, those kinds of things that will allow you a, a deeper engagement and maybe a better performance in your game. So all of this media is just, you have the video games themselves and then you have all of the media surrounding them that are just helping to promote uh, video games and, and keep, keep them at the forefront of people's minds. Yeah, and you talked a lot about players benefiting from, you know, watching, engaging, playing more games. So I just kind of want to touch on, like, what are some other positive aspects that this rise in video gaming has been influencing people's lifestyles and even some negatives? So first of all, I'd just like to say that I believe video games are helping to save lives right now because they are uh, encouraging people to stay home instead of going out and contracting or spreading the virus. So they are part of, of many entertainment options and many lifestyle changes that are helping to keep people safe and keep them at home. And so I think right now that's one of the impo most important benefits. There have been studies over many years showing some of the health benefits uh, and cognitive ben benefits of video games. Those include just better quick decision-making skills, um, ability to um, perceive information spatially, to judge spatial data or fast information coming at you and make a quick decision. And so those are sort of some of the cognitive benefits, but there's also some social benefits when you are playing with friends. And I think those are amplified even even more now during the pandemic where you may not be able to see people in your life in, in the real world, but you can still connect with them online through video gaming. And that gives you a topic and a place to make that connection. So there are emotional and cognitive benefits to video games. There are of course some negatives and a lot of the press about video games focuses on these negatives. So there's concern about violence, that violent video games could potentially cause violence in the real world. There's concern about desensitization to violence. And there's concern about video game addiction and the idea that people are playing video games too much and that it's causing a decline in other areas of their life, whether that is physical health because they're not taking care of themselves, obesity because they're not exercising or getting out of the house, um, or you know the stress and anxiety that can come with an addiction when you're not playing it, when you're not fulfilling what you're addicted to. So those are all some of the concerns. I think in the last months, 
people aren't talking about those. <laughs> they are mostly focusing on the positive because we're in this strange situation where we want people to stay home. And for the first time, people are starting to recognize that playing video games can be a positive thing for everyone, that it's something that we might encourage our children to do rather than try to limit, and that it can be a very positive aspect of our life. And your response actually segues well into my next question. So in 2019, the World Health Organization defined video gaming disorders and classified it in their ICD-11. Yet with the onset of the pandemic, they've almost taken the opposite stance and have started to promote gaming with the Play Apart Together video game campaign. So how might the stance of the WHO influence the behaviors of people as a public health measure? My guess is that whatever the WHO says doesn't really have many effects on individual gamers' practices. So we're not waiting for permission from the WHO. But I also think that this might be part of a broader cultural shift where we are starting to recognize that all video games are not evil. Most of them have no violent content whatsoever. Um, and that they can be part of a, of a successful and well-balanced life, you know, psychologically, cognitively, and socially. And so I think the pandemic has just allowed us to get rid of some of our fears, to ignore some of those fears of, oh, I'm going to get addicted to this, or, oh, I don't want my children to play this because they'll get addicted, or, you know, that screen time is somehow bad. Everything is screen time now. We are doing everything on a screen. So our entertainment, yes, is on a screen right now because we just can't go outside because of the health risks. So we are seeing that in the face of a, a truly terrifying health risk in, in coronavirus, where there is a decent chance that going outside will actually lead to real-world health negative health effects immediately. So that seems a lot scarier than the nebulous possible negative health effects of video games in your life, you know, which are probably less likely to actually take care of and that can be mitigated by, you know, having rules about when you play video games and when you don't. So I think in the face of something that's really negative, we're starting to to see as a society, okay, video games aren't so actually so bad, and, and now they're, they're doing a good thing by encouraging people to stay home, and so we should not be so scared about this new technology and its potential negative effects. And just to follow up, um, do these trends that you've all talked about, these kind of positive perceptions, are they all looking the same globally in like Europe and Asia? My guess is that since this is a global pandemic, that yes, this is leading to shifts everywhere. And, you know, it is important to look at this in specific cultural contexts because different cultures have different feelings about video game play. Um, some countries, cultures encourage it and others discourage it heavily. But, um, although I don't have any numbers about this, I would guess that 
this is leading to a shift globally because everybody wants their citizenry to stay home and stay safe. And if this is a tool that can be used to encourage that, my guess is that they would want to uh, embrace that. And one final question here, um, should people start caring about video games? And if they should, why should they care? I think video games have been an important part of our culture for decades now, for the last 40 years, if not more. And um, there hasn't been enough attention paid to it. And often the attention that is paid to it is negative. It's concerns about violent video games potentially causing uh, school shootings or mass shooting events, which can be linked but are not causal in any of the studies that they have done. So there, there's all of these fears and concerns about it, and that's what usually takes up all of the air when it comes to discussions about video games. And I think that we should all start thinking more about these games that take up a lot of our time. And not everybody considers themselves a gamer, but a lot of us play video games, even if it's casual games on our phones. And so we should be trying to think about the impact these games have on our lives, positive and potentially negative. But that's what I'm trying to do in my research and teaching is, is try to get people to not take these games for granted, but really think about them and learn to analyze them and how the way that they're constructed impacts how we feel about them and our ability to um, use them as a positive development in our lives. So yeah, I think we should all be caring much more about video games than we have in the past and not in a negative sense, but in terms of trying to understand the, the positive impact they have in our lives. So that's actually all the questions I have for you. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I just think that this is um, a, a positive development, even that you're thinking about video games in this context, both in terms of the pandemic, but about possible positive effects of it, and that that is part of a shift that is happening right now and one that I welcome. All right, Dr. Allison, thank you very much for this interview with me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. What stood out to me the most during this conversation was the fact that Dr. Allison said that video games are acting to save lives. What do you all think? What might have stood out to you? Are video games really saving lives? Are they really keeping people indoors and social distancing? Or is this only causing people to become lazy, less productive, addicted, and sedentary? I was able to have a great conversation with my good friend Robert, where we certainly touched upon these topics especially in our own personal lives as busy university students. So join us for a minute, and let's have a conversation about gaming in a pandemic. So hello, Robert. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, what's up, Nathan? Thanks for having me again. First off, for all the listeners that don't know you, can you introduce yourself to us? Yeah, uh, again, I'm Robert Song. I'm a senior at Emory University studying biology and statistics. I'm planning on going pre-med. Hopefully I can become a physician one day. And yeah, I'm calling in here from Utah. Just to start off, can you explain 
what impacts has gaming been in your life? You know, what kind of games have you been playing? And like, when did you start playing games? I'll start with when I started video games. And it was very, it was a very rough transition into video games in the sense that my parents weren't really a proponent of gaming in the household. So when I played games, it was always at a friend's house after school on the low key playing FIFA, for example, or NBA 2K and NFL. Those were the predominant ones I played just because I was a really active kid. And I played those at home as well. I I remember chipping in, buying a PS2 with my brother and we played FIFA and Madden all the time. But now it's transitioned over to more games on the computer, like FPS games such as Valorant or some co-op games with League. But I typically play more FPS games more than anything. And it's... It's been an uh, interesting ride with this, these transitions because console gaming I'm a lot more comfortable with, but now constantly staring at a screen in front of me while doing homework on the side has been an interesting dynamic, to call it at the least. And for the listeners that don't know, can you explain what an FPS is? Yeah, FPS stands for first-person shooter. So the bigger FPS games I think most people would know would be like Halo or Call of Duty, some of those kinds of games. And then Valorant is a new game that came out only a few months ago that is a team-based FPS game. Yeah, and you talked a lot about um, your transitions. So as we're running into the pandemic now, have you noticed a kind of transition in your gaming behavior? Like what kinds of games you're playing? How often you're playing them? Yeah, absolutely. Just because now I can't sit next to someone and play Super Smash or FIFA. Now it's through online and through a mic and behind another screen. And how often I play kind of varies on the time because of school, because of the pandemic and the busy work that goes along with that. But it's difficult to sit down behind the same screen that you're doing work and gaming. So it's been some interrupting method of like stepping away from school, but at the same time, making sure I can balance the two like that has changed drastically through the pandemic, as you probably could imagine. Your response actually brings up a couple of questions. I'll ask you one at a time. You know, you kind of talked about Super Smash where you're playing with other people in the same room. So, you know, you're kind of missing out on this social connection that you have with being, being with other people. But in light of the pandemic, I mean, with online capability, us right now we're talking through discord do you feel that despite not being able to play with people in person you're getting the same kind of social interaction using audio only yeah and it's it's a really difficult question to answer i think because gaming as a whole is in my opinion a different kind of social structure in the sense of like in comparison to playing sports where 
your motivation as a team outside for some reason feels different than when you're sitting behind a screen and directly answering about super smash yeah it's completely different in my opinion just because you're not able to sense like the sensory items that you get while playing with someone right next to you the stressors the pressure the competition is slightly different and now it's behind a screen through audio and you might not be able to see their emotions you can only hear some and not everyone has vocal emotions and not everyone has physical emotions either while playing games but I do think you lose that that one sensory item that you normally would get when you're sitting right next to someone. Now it's it's slightly different when playing League or Valorant, for example, just because you typically aren't right next to the person anyway, like your whole team. And with those games it sounds like an analogy to this, I guess, is using like walkie talkies with each other during the game, right? Mm-hmm. And and in that sense, I couldn't imagine a social setting where that would change the current situation of being so far apart in different locations of the United States playing with another. So in that case, it doesn't really, it's not impactful. But with Super Smash or FIFA, those kinds of duo games in particular that I've played definitely have changed. Yeah, for sure. And just honing in more on the your social life, obviously with the current state, you know, everyone during the pandemic, especially the quarantine, is socially deprived. And the way we're gaming is is not the same. We can't have those same interactions that we would um, in Super Smash Bros. if we're in person, because obviously right. it's a health concern now. But do you find that even though um, when you're playing Valorant, for example... That even though it's not the same as if you were playing with someone in person, it's still providing some social benefit to you, you know, that you otherwise wouldn't be getting if you weren't playing games. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question, actually. But I agree with your statement of it still provides that social stimulation that one can get from gaming with another, and in particular, like Valorant. Just because you still are actively engaging with people, even though it's not in person, you are still having conversations of tactics. And I revert back to sports because that's the easiest thing for me that I can connect this with. But having teammates surrounding you trying to do the same goal of like scoring a goal or preventing a goal when playing soccer, if no one was talking in a team basis, there's no social stimulation. It's almost a lone battle, and you're just observing the awareness of other people around you, including your team. But when connecting vocal cues in soccer to vocal conversations in Valorant, even, there is that social stimulation, right? And being able to communicate with one another does provide that that sensory cue, at the very least, of not being socially deprived during that game, but I have noticed when stepping out of the game, it feels drastically different when I'm talking with my family, for example, because of the current pandemic. And I talk with them all the time, but that stimulation isn't the same. It's a different kind of actionary and 
know, like visionary and audible cue that I get. So it definitely is something that has kind of relieved that social deprivation, which has been really nice, honestly, because before the pandemic, I didn't play that many games. I would rather go outside and play sports with friends, for example, but I don't have that option anymore. So it's, it's been very nice to have this option. Yeah, and just jumping on how you said, like in the past, before the pandemic, you would play sports. But as you find yourself transitioning into playing more games, have you ever felt, despite giving this social connection, this social benefit, do you feel that sometimes when you're playing, there's kind of like a guilty pleasure, right? On one hand, yeah. socializing, but on the other hand, do you feel that it's, it's taking away from, for example, school, applying for jobs, or building your career? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's also a question I ask myself every day when I do play a game, or not every day, but when I open up the app to play, just because you do feel a little bit guilty because normally I wouldn't do this. I'd rather go outside, like you mentioned. And now, because I don't have that option to go outside and go hang out, that has limited me to playing games. And although it can detract away from school, I have to be very conscious of that, just so that when I have tests coming up, I can do the proper studies and balance of keeping sane and not losing out on performing well on tests. But when thinking about it as a whole, initially it was a massive guilty pleasure of something away from school that I could always go to so quickly. But in this current situation that I'm in, because I don't go outside hardly at all, that time spent outside, which was normally, for example, two hours a day playing tennis or shooting hoops or going on a soccer field now have been translated into a 15 minute run and like an hour of gaming. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a different kind of guilty pleasure now. I don't feel like it's taking time away from school because ultimately I normally would spend it playing sports or other ways of de-stressing, but it, is very difficult to have that mental capability of blocking school and gaming because they're on the same computer, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting how, you know, you kind of talked about before the pandemic, you would be playing sports to spend your time. But, you know, with the pandemic, I'm wondering if it has shifted your opinions of games, whether playing games as a form of relaxation or, you know, something to do on your off time has come to the same level, same balance as playing sports would, especially after the pandemic is is over. Do you think that games are on par with being another alternative to sports, in a sense? Ooh, that is, that's a controversial question you're asking there. I feel like (laughs) it depends on the person. And for me, I guess, to give a little background, I play a lot of sports, as I mentioned. But for me, my mentality is whenever doing something, whether it be school or sports, I'm going to give it my best go. I'm not going to try and 
do it at a half or lower level than I want to do it at. I want to give it my all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And stemming from that and sports, when I go out and hit or play tennis with friends or shoot hoops, my overall goal is to get better at the craft while having fun with the people I'm playing with and transition that to games. My goal in games is to also learn the game, do well at it, and also have fun with the people that I'm playing with. So I definitely think my perspective has changed because of the pandemic, because I normally would be playing sports. This competitiveness that comes out of me when playing sports is natural in that setting. And initially, I didn't really consider that to be the case in gaming as well. But post-pandemic, now that this is something that I've turned towards both as a de-stressing mechanism, but also as a another way to fuel the competitive juices, if you want to call it that. It's been really nice to have that outlet in both senses of, again, de-stressing and having that competitiveness just because I don't have the option to do that with sports. And I guess to add on to that, it's really hard to, I guess, divide the line between what we kind of talked about before in the sense of is it too much gaming compared to school now because we're just sitting in front of our computers or is it truly mentally conscious of the fact that I need to balance school and gaming so that I use gaming as a strict mode of de-stressing competitiveness can I narrow it down to one hour of gaming to de-stress and have competitiveness and socialization or am i playing that hour because i just want to play games even though maybe i have a test the next day so the perspective has changed ultimately but i have to be cognizant of how far that perspective has changed if that makes sense and standing on that line that middle ground is extremely important and i think luckily i think i've found it but I could see why the question could also lean toward it's not a great method of de-stressing or comparing it to sports. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly find myself in the same kind of predicament. Like, because of the pandemic, you know, I did play games before the pandemic, but honestly, it wasn't, like, a priority. Like, I'd rather be doing something else. But right. you know, because we're all indoors. There's, there's nothing else to do, especially since right. we're not on campus. We can't just go out and see our friends, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And because of the pandemic, honestly, I've been finding myself viewing games in such a unique way now that I've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is how video games, in a sense, are their reflection of life. And mm-hmm. because they're based on real life, they're like developers are able to implement skills that you can actually learn narratives that you can perceive and interpret and Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things i found myself thinking of is money management right Mm -hmm. money management in game can also translate in a sense to real world money management um Mm -hmm. so i find myself in like certain single player games where i'm constantly saving up a ton of money in hopes of buying something expensive later on. But yeah. I never I never find myself spending that money. And as I reflected mm-hmm. on it, 
I'm actually like that in real life. I don't like spending yeah. money. I just like saving money. So there's right. this kind of sense where I'm learning something from a game. And even when I'm playing a new video game, for example, you know, I never thought of this before, but because of the pandemic, I realized that when you play a game, you have to learn it. You have to mm -hmm. actively engage in the video game as the medium. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of my perspective, but I'm just wondering what your perspective is. What have you been learning from video games that you might not have thought of? Like, has video games become more than video games to you? Well, I think to go back to the whole context of that, it's been, or it is very important to distinguish between learning from games and like divulging in games. And when I say that, it's what you were mentioning. You're learning from the game and you're not over-exaggerating the learning aspect or calling it learning when you're actually not learning. And I think that's the difference between people who game obsessively or people who game to have that like distinct boundary of de-stressing and have new stimulation. And I live on the boat with you in the sense that it's a way to learn new things, new, new horizons almost, because I love a new challenge and I love new stimulation of learning abilities. And when I play a new game, you have to learn it like you mentioned. And when I learn it, I want to do the best I possibly can at whatever the game may be. And when it comes to that, it's really important to know how one can adapt themselves to this game. Like when I, when I played League, for example, I thought I'd never like the game because I played so much FIFA or NBA 2K or Madden. And I played so many sports that when I played FIFA, I, I almost imagined myself in the game. And a lot of pro players even say that about FIFA or NBA 2K, for example. But when I transitioned over to League, something completely different from FIFA, where it's a team game where you can only do your role and as part of one in five people on your team, compared to FIFA, where you control all 11 players on your team, it was extremely difficult. I was terrible at the game. I hated the game. But slowly doing almost research about the game, asking friends who played the game who were much better than I was, learning from their understanding and craft and their ability to play the game, I was able to develop my own skills, my own type of game set, or skill set, I should say, and start to enjoy the game and play the game in a more original fashion, if you want to call it that. I used to be very mechanical in my movements of I had to hit certain amounts of gold level like you mentioned before I started spending but now I can observe almost like future predictions if you want to call it of like I think I can spend it now because I can adapt towards mistakes if the money doesn't get spent well or it's better if you ultimately spend it earlier and you profit from it later and i'm kind of reaching for straws here outside of the scope of your question but when you mention money spending and how that's likewise to your current like personal standing of how you utilize money i completely agree with that just because 
for me, gaming isn't a chance to experiment per se of like money spending, but it is a way to incorporate the ideas that I have and create an original, almost manipulate another idea to maximize that money that you have in game so that you can ultimately have a better experience. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it earlier where for us, it's very good as we view games separately from reality. But there are some people that have trouble doing that. Um, For example, Mm -hmm. because actually last year, the WHO announced video gaming disorder in their ICD, kind of like their classifications of diseases. And that was actually a problem. Yet, interestingly enough, this year, the WHO partnered with certain gaming companies such as Blizzard to create this campaign called Play It Part Together. And Mm -hmm. Play It Part Together is really, it's promoting video games as a mean to social distance. So Mm. on one hand, Video games, they used to be viewed in such a way where A, they could cause violence, or B, it mm-hmm. causes addictive behavior. But honestly, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, it's caused such a great paradigm shift where the way we're starting to view games has been changed fundamentally, where these studies of, oh, video games cause violence, none of that is being mentioned anymore because video games have been almost been deemed as a more legitimate form of media well i'll pick up on that just because i also agree that it's very interesting that it can be viewed as very addictive and it it definitely can be there are plenty of studies of that and you can even just go to social media and screen time it's very stimulating even for or not even for, I should say, in particular for kids, right? They still suggest kids don't look at, like, their parents' cell phones for too long and they don't watch TV for too long. Like, I I agree with how addicting it can be. But when you mention the paradigm shift from what it used to be, I also agree with that just because people are realizing there are functionalities of games or even just general applications on phones that, can be utilized to develop different kinds of skills and different types of creativity. And with that, I think it's really important to know that distinction again of making sure that you don't make it an obsessive behavior. Rather, it's a way to have fun and in this pandemic, socially interact with others and stimulate new areas of the brain if you want to call it and then and kind of have another sense of of a humanistic life as we can call it right now during this pandemic i mean just like anything in excess of something is bad you know Mm -hmm. video game in excess of that is bad when you're talking about other forms of media too much social media is bad watching too many movies is bad right Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because people don't usually think, oh, if you watch too many movies, you know, that's bad. But there was this perception yeah. that playing too many games, that's bad, right? And yeah, I just absolutely. think it's so interesting. And because of this shift, we're actually seeing new players 
people who have never played games playing games. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Have people who've never touched a video game before been playing games with you? Yeah, I mean, it could go to any friend for that matter. I mean, everyone has a phone. They go on social media. They, they've played at least some sort of stimulating activity on a phone or a computer. And now that the pandemic has happened, I definitely think people have shifted as a whole to some sort of gaming platform. And one game I can instantly think of about is Among Us, which right now is probably the hottest game for multiple players because you can all be separated wherever you may be, but all you have to do is get on a phone call and get to play with 10 people total in this kind of mafia-esque game, which is really stimulating yet it can be extremely competitive as well, which is part of the enjoyment of that game. And to directly answer your question, yeah, many of the people I know, especially at Amory and even back here in Utah, a lot of people are resorting to those kinds of new games like Among Us, which aren't the stereotypical video games when we normally hear about like FIFA or FPS games like we talked about or Fortnite when that blew up two years ago. People are jumping on these secondhand games, I should say, of not the normal game, but now they are becoming normal. And it is removing that stigma of how video games were viewed so badly. And now as something almost positive, because you are able to engage with people and play these games and enjoy that time. So absolutely, I, I think people are jumping on new games and willing to experiment with these games and what their friends are playing and all that. You know, just jumping more on like this shift in social view, um, you mentioned early on that when you first started playing games, your, your parents weren't too fond of it. And it might be mm -hmm. a little different now, but you know, when your parents see you playing video games, how do you think they view you? Like is, has the pandemic in some shape changed how they see it? For example, I mean, my, my dad, he used to tell me, oh, stop playing so many games. But now he mm -hmm. tells me, it's good you're playing games because you're able to talk with your friends. Have you experienced a similar situation? I don't think I've ever had a conversation with my parents recently about how the pandemic has shifted my activities, per se. But previously, my parents were always like, use gaming as a way to like de-stress if you are going to use it but we warn you to not do it too much and i was pretty good with that and they weren't necessarily that strict in the sense because they knew how much i would rather go outside than play video games frankly speaking and when it comes to the pandemic now even though i haven't had that conversation i think that narrative on their end stays the same but they would understand slightly more than before if I were to play two hours of gaming instead of my typical one-hour limit, for example, I give myself. They would understand. They probably would say, they'd probably ask me to do something else and be more productive, maybe. But I genuinely do believe they would be slightly more understanding of why I am 
gaining slightly more when I physically can't go outside and hang, like play sports with people, for example. Yeah, I mean, certainly we've already answered this throughout the interview, um, as the listeners can hopefully tell by now. But just to hone it down, overall, mm-hmm. do you feel that video games benefiting you in terms of social life and in terms of your mental health, even your physical health, rather than being a negative detriment? Yeah, and... It's interesting because my answer to this question a year ago would have been, not really, but now that we're in the pandemic, I truly think it has benefited me both mentally and socially and arguably physically. I, I couldn't really say. Maybe I'm maybe I'm losing like muscle mass or something. I don't know. But when it comes to mental and social kind of stimulation it definitely has benefited me because without playing games and being on call with people or just hanging out playing among us or those other games that we mentioned i really wouldn't have that social interaction with people just because i can't i can't call them up and be like hey let's meet on a tennis court or let's grab coffee or anything now it's just jump on the call and let's hang out virtually so it's absolutely a way to have that social interaction that would be nice to have in person and it's also great to have that mental stimulation to talk with people and also learn new games and also learn some creative aspects about myself even if it comes to that when it of course that depends on the game but there are games like tft and Wii, for example that's kind of like a board game and for me, I love board games, but it's a different kind of stimulation and mental interaction. So as a whole, absolutely. I think now in the pandemic, it has definitely benefited me. Honestly, everything you've been saying, I, I feel on the same personal level. Games have profoundly changed itself as an industry because of the pandemic, but even the way I'm viewing games and how society's viewing games. And that's actually all the questions I have for you. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to say? Given this era and the normal st- like stimulative activities I normally do, like gaming has been an outlet. So it's been it's been nice to have and it's really really nice to have this kind of conversation just because it's hard for people to wrap their head around such a concept. Like literally a year ago, I still think that there was a video game stigma. This is not good for people as a whole. And it can not be good as we mentioned, but given this current day and age, and if you utilize it properly, I really do think it's something beneficial and can be very beneficial to some people. Right. It's great having you on here, Robert. I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. Yeah, no, thank you for having me again. I really appreciated this conversation, truly. Whether you play video games or not, we can't deny the fact that video games will impact our lives one way or another. Think about your kids, your friends, and family who may play video games. Video games are permeating our lives as a legitimate form of media and the pandemic has only brought video gaming to the forefront. Whether you like it or not, 
Video games are becoming an essential and influential part of people's lifestyle, so it's about time to learn more about them. If you've stuck this far, hopefully you've learned more about how video games can be beneficial, act as a form of entertainment, help in socializing and staying connected, and act as a form of health therapy. So go on, give it a shot if you haven't already, play on, and stay safe out there. Once again, I'm your host Nathan, and thank you for joining me in The Gap. Thank you for listening to the COVID Chronicles. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, and rate it on your favorite podcasting app. You can visit us at exploringhealth.org and follow the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health at Emory CSHH on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, stay safe and be well.